This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, November 10th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who always has the eyeball emoji ready to rock, especially today, Jerem Jordan. Especially today. Uh, today is signing day. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Put your hands yeah. together for that. Uh, gratitude. Thank you. Yeah. This is uh, an exciting day. Always good to have some future Cougs. There's one Coug in particular that we are especially exci- excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's flash the love, my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Mark Pope also excited about today. Great night tonight, huge day tomorrow, and then let's get on to Friday. Indeed. Ah. (laughs) After the win last night, huge day tomorrow, he says, which is now today. Bigger than last night. That's what he was saying. Like, it was Mm -hmm. bigger. Today's event, (laughs) 1 o'clock, is uh, bigger. Just clear up your afternoon. It's just, you know, at 1 o'clock, I'm going to be – Dialed in. On Instagram live. (laughs) What a week for BYU recruiting. Yeah, eyeball emojis all over the place. And what a show lineup today. Let's throw in some brand new college football playoff rankings. BYU making a jump. Is it enough to increase your hopes for the Cougars in their pursuit of a potential New Year's Six bowl game? I'd call it a step. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson will join that conversation, his one-on-one with Jerem Jordan. Plus, BYU basketball, of course, tipping off their season last night. Wait, what? In a battle with Cleveland State. Are you okay with how things went down for the Cougars in that debut? Don't forget Deep Blue with BYU women's soccer. Suits versus polos. That conversation continues and only a 50% chance for the BYU men's hoops team to make the NCAA tournament. Says who? Huh? Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football's 14th, up one spot in the college football playoff poll, just behind Baylor, one of BYU's two losses. The Cougars now have a win against a currently ranked team in the college football playoff poll. Utah, 24. Hey, oh, about time, Utah. They've used to always be. Also, Campbell Barrington is one of 37 candidates for the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year award. One time, Sean Alexander scored five touchdowns. <laughs> We need to thank uh, the late Glenn Tuckett for that matchup, right? Yep. That was cool that we got that game. A one-off. BYU threw a touchdown late, and it was a seven-point game. 38-31. close. Yeah. <laughs> BYU men's basketball beats Cleveland State in a close game last night, 69-59 in the Cougars season opener, featuring two teams that played in the NCAA tournament last season. In fact, both teams were ousted by eventual Final Four teams. No matter. BYU senior Alex Barcelo still awesome. 24 points, two rebounds, four assists. He did so on six field goals. More on that. Spencer Johnson added 13 points, three rebounds, and one assist. I spoke with Alex Barcelo after the game to get his take on a physical battle. This was a very hands-on game, a lot of fouls. We started fouling. uh, I mean, they're they're a team full of drivers, and we started fouling them on three-point shots and uh, just trying to battle through that frustration. 
stay, staying even kill and, and then just producing as we went down the stretch and grabbing rebounds, getting stops. Um, that, that was key for us. And, and just like Coach said to you, I mean, we, we live for these moments as a team and, and it showed tonight. We don't, we don't lose here. They didn't lose there last night, that's for sure. And they're hoping to not lose against San Diego State on Friday night, also live on BYU TV. 41 fouls. Super fun. 41. Richard Harward is out with a cardiovascular issue. Here's Mark Pope on the situation. So he's got a cardiovascular issue right now um, that um, he's going to be out for at least a little while. It's going to kind of be like every week checking back in and seeing how, how, how he does. Yeah, it makes you a little nervous um, because there's a chance. There's a chance he doesn't play basketball, period. There's a chance he's back in a couple weeks. It's hard to know. So that's rough. That's rough. When it features cardiovascular, now it's serious. it gives you extra pause. And they were calling it a viral infection that led to the cardiovascular issue. None of that sounds good. I was told he'll be reevaluated in essentially a month, and then they'll go from there. Mark Pope says it's going to be a week-to-week -week thing, but... And a huge, not just loss for what BYU does as a team on the floor, but emotionally in the locker room and in practice. You know, he's very much the lifeblood of that team. And bringing the pun intended, know, the country music, <laughs> whether they want it or not in the morning, but he brings the energy. So, I mean, we're just hoping that Richard makes a quick recovery. BYU women's basketball just before the men, also victorious in their season opener as the Cougars beat Lipscomb. 81-58, down go the Bisons. Shaley Gonzalez, 15 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Tegan Graham added 18 points, including this. Back out to Graham, she'll try another three. Got it, back-to-back three-point makes on her last two attempts for Tegan Graham. She had a huge third quarter. BYU put up 32 points in the third quarter to really pull away from Lipscomb. Speaking of Graham, Davide Gardini at men's volleyball practice the other day, he started eating a graham cracker, and I go, oh, a graham cracker? He goes, how does everyone know that this is a graham cracker? Graham cracker? I said, there's no other cracker like that in the United States. <laughs> anyway. It's a very distinct yeah, color. Yeah, it was, it was yes. right. I was like, that shape is only, he's the like, shape, what? That's yeah. crazy. Women's soccer drops spot in the United Soccer Coaches Bowl to 13 ahead of Saturday's NCAA tournament match against New Mexico. It is signing day, as we mentioned, for non-football sports on campus. We'll focus on baseball for the moment. They signed right-handed pitcher and shortstop Peyton Gubler out of Desert Hills High School, a top recruit in the Beehive State who can hit 90 with his fastball right now. I'm sure they'll work to develop that up to mid-90s. And Zach Dart, a right-handed pitcher and third baseman out of Spanish Fork. Jeremy, I just, I just want to give more gratitude for what we're dealing with here on signing day. It's, it's For all it's of the non-football sports. All of these things. I'm yes, so all, happy. All of these things. <laughs> today you know what I mean all of the emojis huge day to steal the words of Mark Pope the King's speech what was the main actor again Colin Firth that's right yeah I love I love him in that he's great <laughs> all rise and shout it's time for what's trending you're talking about it and so are we it's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation on to football now for a moment as BYU makes a Small jump or step of the college football playoff yeah. poll yeah. from number 15 to number 14. They sit right behind Baylor, a team that beat BYU head-to-head -head earlier this season. That doesn't matter to the committee. Oh, man. Michigan's ahead of Michigan. Michigan is now ahead of Michigan State. Doesn't matter. But I digress, and we have much to discuss within the college football playoff conversation. Or do we, Jerem? 
Is the New Year's Six conversation as it pertains to BYU and their hopes of getting into a big bowl game a moot point? I don't blame anybody for being excited about it, uh, the possibility. I just think the possibility is so low that it's maybe not worth the time. But if you want to break it down, great, whatever. Let's look at the bowl matchups and see where we're at, right? So, Cotton and Orange this year, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Oregon. Right now, you'd pencil them in, right, as the top four if teams. If it started today, yeah. Fiesta, yes, not next week, because I don't know what next week is. Fiesta and Peach are at large. Uh, Rose is Pac-12 versus Big Ten, so you'd have, like, Utah and Michigan probably right now. And then Sugar, Big 12 versus SEC, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. So, there are four at-large spots. Those would probably go, as of now, Cincinnati, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. Okay? Wake Forest, Baylor, BYU. BYU's probably, this isn't exact, right, but probably like three out. Um, but there will be teams who climb, who fall, but there will be teams who climb in. We have better wins that BYU can muster down the stretch and or have equal to or close to those losses. I just don't believe the committee will, like, reward BYU in that way. Um, once BYU got that second loss, it kind of believed, eh, they're probably not going to have a chance at this because BYU has to out at large. There's no automatic access with the group of five, of course. That'll be Cincinnati. I think even if Cincinnati loses, they'll still be the group of five team. Sure, and there's some confusion UTSA. on that. People were going back and forth last night in my specific timeline about – how the group of five spot is used as it pertains to Cincinnati if they get into the playoff. The group of five is not going to get two teams in a New Year's Six. I don't believe that. I don't know exactly the rule. I'm assuming that it is if since he's in the playoff, it is fulfilled. they're checked. The G5 spot has been you fulfilled. You think the rich will dig down and be like, no, UTSA, come on up. I don't I don't think that's how it's going to work. Okay, um, Because the New Year's Six include the two playoff games. Okay, So, yes, New York Six, automatic access. It's not the other four. That's not a thing we talk about. So I, I just think it's going to be tough for BYU to out-at-large another team. Let's say Alabama does lose the SEC title game. Okay, The SEC doesn't have automatic access to a New Year's Six game per se, but yes, they do, right? They'll have one or two or even three teams in there, you'd think. So Alabama would be – like, is BYU going to out-at-large Alabama with Certainly two not, but no. can BYU out-at-large a team like Texas A&M if Texas A&M loses another game? They're ahead of BYU right now. No, because Texas A&M beat Alabama. Like, the committee is going to value that win even if, way even more than Even if Texas A&M has did. four losses – No, not, not four. No. But, like, if there's an SEC team with three, I believe the committee would reward that team over a two-loss BYU. I, ju- I just do. Like, open your eyes, see what they've done before – See who they are. See what it is. The strength of schedule valued. I believe even, like, look at the Big Ten now. There are three teams vying for near six. You know what I mean? The one that would make the playoff probably an Ohio State type or Michigan or Michigan State. And then BYU. Listen, it'd be great to have BYU near six. I'm not saying it would. I'm just trying to be real about the situation. Michigan State still has to play Ohio State. And Ohio State still has to play Michigan. How about that? Right, so and, and there will and, be some attrition just by sheer nature of those matchups. But that attrition might yield three two-loss teams that would out at large BYU. That's my point. Mm. Right, like if one of them falls to three losses, they still may say, "Well, yes, BYU played a good schedule, but hey, this team had, went one and two against those teams, but they were close in their efficiency and their top ten or whatever." Yeah. So yeah. for me, yeah. the key for BYU to try and find the smallest hole or passage or whatever miracle path you want to call this into the the college football major bowl games in the New Year's Six is for Cincinnati to make the playoff first and foremost because it opens up another at-large spot. Uh, And then 
looking ahead at this week's They're schedule. They're at large either way, no matter what. Right. Yeah. Whether it's the playoffs. So it doesn't open up anything. Okay. Well, it does if because Cincinnati will then take an at-large spot away from one of those two bowl games. If they're in the college football playoff. Now it's a Power 5 team. It's, so it goes from three spots to four spots if Cincinnati gets into the playoff. That opens up one of those at-large spots. And what I mean is, okay, well now it's a team that's going to have an at-large BYU. I'm just saying two or three that anyway. it probably has to happen for that way for BYU to feel like they have any sort of a legitimate chance. Okay, Whatever the percentages are, minute, small, I feel like that is a must-have if BYU wants to get into a game like that. And then it's not about the Michigans and Ohio States because they'll be in. It's what happens with a team like Oregon uh, and Wake Forest and Texas A&M. Like, there needs to be chaos from 8 to 12. Yeah, like well, Those teams need to lose a lot yeah. in the next four weeks. The Pac-12 is getting a team in a New Year's Six game. If the Pac-12, and that's the thing, like Utah's 24, but they're projected in the Rose Bowl right now because, because Oregon's, Oregon's in the playoff. playoff. So BYU fans need Oregon to not make the college football playoff, but still be high enough to be the team that has their automatic tie to the Rose Bowl. The Pac-12, if they get two teams in the New Year's Six, BYU's hopes are done. Like, it's over. So they need one team from the Pac-12 to get in, along with Cincinnati making the playoff. And then, so Utah needs to lose? Sweet, I'm in. And then Wake Forest right now is number 12, and they're guaranteed an at-large because they're the highest-ranked ACC team, and they're projected to win the ACC. Someone from the ACC, wherever they're ranked, whether it's NC State at 16 or Wake Forest, they're going to get in. Yeah. So it would be better if that team, because they're already going to get in, is above BYU in the rankings so that there are fewer teams above BYU that don't have automatic ties to out-at-large the Cougars. I so know that, that's, a, that's a handful. So that an but. SEC team can out-at-large out BYU. <laughs> that's, that's the issue. The SEC is the issue. And then the three Big Ten teams are the issue, too. Yeah. yeah. On to topic two, my friend. Are you comfortable with the way BYU beat Cleveland State last night? I am, especially considering that BYU was not playing with Richard Harward. It could have been very easy for that team to sink into a funk and try and figure things out when they've got a lot of youth on the front line. But how big was Fusini Traore? He was He was 7'2", awesome. wingspan. Awesome big. last night against Cleveland State. And I know that people are like, hey, BYU was at home. They should have handled this team. Well, what's going on? They were a 14-point favorite. This is a wonderful, horrible, frustrating, but intriguing case of a team that has been together and ha- already has established chemistry in Cleveland State against a team like BYU who has, yes, more talent but they're trying to figure things out, trying to put together rotation, and they're down Richard Harward. I'm absolutely okay with how this game went last night. I thought it was a fantastic learning experience. And as Alex Barcelo said, we don't lose here. They dug down. He became clutch, as he so often is in late moments in the game. Yeah, BYU wins by 10. Like, nobody of import when it comes to ranking teams and, you know, looking at what BYU did is going to think, oh, yeah, BYU looked really bad. No, they're going to say, yeah, that's a pretty good Cleveland State team. It's picked to win the Horizon League, and BYU won that game. Yeah, BYU won. Double figures. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, th- this was a challenging game because Richard, no Richard Harward and you know, all the things you mentioned. Yeah, you move on to San Diego State. I'm absolutely comfortable with how this happened. I, in fact, I'm kind of glad it happened because it was at home. It wasn't against a team that – was better than you, so you could sort of figure it out. And then now BYU's got a big challenge against San Diego State, which was the best win on the schedule last year. Winning at Viejas last year. Did they change the name of it? I don't really care. It's still Viejas Arena, I, I believe. Even, even if they didn't, I don't care. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Viejas. It's still the Delta Center. No, I'm just playing. Um, is Yeah, BYU figured out a way to win in this. And 
Alex Barcella didn't take a shot the first eight minutes, and then the last 11 minutes he scores 15 points. And now he's just, you know, stroking threes and, and free throws, and it's been great. Uh, Foose was great. Spencer Johnson off the bench, 13 points in 19 minutes. That was awesome. And hopefully Gavin Baxter's knee gets well quick because he can only play a couple of minutes. Right now, BYU is really, really leaning on Treore. And Atiki Ali Atiki didn't play a second, so he's kind of next in line. The rotation was real tight because it was a close game. <laughs> Cleveland State only, only led this game for like 54 seconds, but it was nerve-wracking. Oh, it was close for the much of the time. Of the game, yeah. yeah, 10 was the largest lead, I believe. It, it was a single-digit game like the whole time. So, yeah, I, no, all good. 1-0, Cleveland State, you don't know them, but now you do. And once you, once you look, you go, okay, that was, that was a better challenge than playing no-name school, whatever. That team won a championship, went to the NCAA tournament last Absolutely. year, returned all five they senior returned, starters. They returned everybody that matters the yeah. most to that team. All seniors, not like a bunch of sophomores who started as freshmen. They, they have established chemistry. They're a good team, and I, that's why they're picked to win the Horizon League again. So all BYU fans should root for Cleveland State to win the Horizon League. Help the resume. Yeah, but better net, the better, because that's probably going to be a quad three. They And I was talking to Bobby Hordusky, who works on the BYU staff. Uh, director the of Dobo. Yeah, yeah, the director of basketball operations. They believe that that team is going to be top 100 in the net rankings. That'd be great, because then it's quad two. It's quad two. That'd be great, yeah. For sure. All right. BYU gets it done against Cleveland State. Our question of the day, dealing with now our football topic again, as it pertains to BYU in the college football playoff poll. What percentage do you give BYU football at earning a trip to a New Year's Six game? Let's hear from you and go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At jfloyd314 on Twitter. 45%. It's high. A lot high. would still need to break right for BYU to end up in the top 10 because beating Georgia Southern won't move the needle much, and teams could jump over BYU in the next two weeks. Yeah. But if enough teams yeah. lose and BYU ends up in the top 11-ish after the USC game, I think BYU's in. Hashtag BYUS. And how high does BYU have to climb in the poll to feel comfortable that Okay, now they've got a legitimate shot. Eight is it number nine, 10? Eight or nine. You think it's me. as high as eight or nine? Again, it's conference affiliation. Ooh. It's There's all kinds of things. Correction on what I just said. If uh, you got to be, uh, you know, in top 75 to get quad two, oh, 31 home. to 75 at home. So it's it's a quad three, probably, regardless. Yeah, it, it's just tough because the SEC is going to get three or four teams in. It's just hard. And the Big Ten has three really good teams. That's the trouble. Coming up, does BYU Hoops have a better than 50% chance to get to the tourney? And more football talk with former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. How does he feel about the Cougars' step up the college football playoff rankings and their New Year's Six chances? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest Deep Blue podcast, to talk with uh, our coworker Dave McCann about getting hired with Good Morning America while at BYU, the role Cougar Sports played in his family's life, and interviewing Mickey Mantle, Mike Tyson, and others. Let's do it on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. We are live with a loaded Wednesday show. Much gratitude for signing day celebrations that are sure to happen at some point today. At roughly 1 p.m. Mount the time. <laughs> 
This is currently your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, and it's always nice to have a former quarterback to talk some football. Riley Nelson is a man who played quarterback at Brigham Young University. Mm -hmm. He's now an analyst on BYU Radio. I spoke with him in English. Here it is. Riley, it's reasonable to think that BYU could climb in the college football playoff rankings. They do by one spot, which is great. Uh, After the bye week, who knows? But what's your reaction to BYU being number 14 now? Tremendous. I think that uh, just the the nature of the back-to-back losses were uh, a little bit unfortunate, but I think this is the best possible scenario given the circumstances. They are the third highest ranked two-loss team in the country, which I think shows immense respect behind A&M. And then, of course, Baylor. You you can't ever expect, as long as Baylor matches you at two losses, you can't expect to be ranked above someone that uh, that you lost to, but Baylor's only one spot in front. So to me, this is best possible scenario and uh you know the the sad thing is that not only with bye weeks but some of the um lesser caliber opponents coming in november uh, a lot of the ranking is out of your control i mean you can still go out and take care of business and 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 win big on saturday but you're relying on chaos around you and we had a lot this last week and here's hoping that we have more as the season closes out Speaking of chaos, to your point about, well, head-to-head should matter. It didn't with Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan up to six, Michigan State at seven. Yeah. So they don't actually care about that, I guess. But um, through the bye week, you know, <laughs> hopefully, you know, and, and then, you know, Georgia Southern. And then how high can BYU climb? USC sitting there. USC struggled this year. Certainly a name. Do you feel like BYU can get as high as top ten or inside the top ten after a bowl game perhaps? They're going to need some carnage. I think, um, yeah, they're just going to need some carnage in front of them because the two lot, if you look historically where the highest ranked two loss team has been, unless it's like, uh, you know, an Alabama, sorry, highest two loss at the end of the regular season. Once you start getting into conference championship weekend and some of those uh, two loss teams get a little bit more leniency, but the highest ranked two loss team, especially that is not, I'll just call out the bias that doesn't play in the sec is typically reaches its maximum somewhere around 10. So I think that's best case scenario for, for BYU. And uh, I think they can get there because I think they'll take care of business. And even though USC is struggling, it's still a good brand to kind of put a capstone on a great season. And all they can best BYU can hope for is uh, a lot of chaos around them. And you hope BYU gets a great matchup in the bowl game to get a shot at that. Like, you know, UTSA, if they're undefeated, it seems like they would go to the New Orleans Bowl, perhaps, because Cincinnati would occupy that group of five, uh, group of five spot. But I, it's just tough because for as good as this season has been, uh, anybody uh, in the Independence Bowl, it just doesn't sound that great to me. How do you feel about it, given how well the season's gone? I would just counter that by saying it wasn't too long ago, Jaron, that people were questioning whether or not this team even had the juice to make it to a bowl game. (laughs) So happiness is like that was only a few short months ago. And uh, it it wasn't a ton. I think most everybody, but I remember coming to the season, everyone's like, man, if they can get to eight wins, that'll be great. But, you know, I really think this team's going to end up being around six or seven. And here they are now ranked 14th in the country and on their way for double digit regular season wins. And happiness is a function function of expectation. And I, so I think 
I don't think fans should be disappointed because you also accepted the fact coming into the season, you, BYU was an independent, and we're all very familiar that as an independent, you have to lock in your postseason fate and hope that a lot of things outside your control, a lot of things happen circumstantially to change that locked-in bowl, uh, bowl bid. So uh, I think the Conference USA, heck, we learned last year, right, going out with a team that we thought was New Year's Six caliber. And granted, we all remember the dynamics around Coastal Carolina, but these, these smaller or lesser-known conferences, they still play ball, and they still have athletes so uh, I still have faith that if BYU does end up in the Independence Bowl, it will be a good matchup and another opportunity to show the caliber of team that they are, even though I'm so I will not be disappointed if that happens. But I, like every other fan out there, am holding out hope for something maybe a little bit grander. Yeah, if you rank 12, it's just hard to get up for Marshall. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, but I, it, it could no, be, it could be fun. And listen, the fact that BYU has not accepted the Independence Bowl quite yet, tells me a little something. Perhaps there's another option. We didn't see, uh, you know, a couple of different bowl matchups in 15 and 18 that preseason we thought, well, BYU's going to this game. No, 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 they didn't. They went to a different game. So we'll see who the matchup is. Ultimately, it's about the matchup, not the bowl, I think. But anyway, New Year's Six, we've been talking about Spencer is tracking, is hoping. We're all hoping that there's a shot here. Matchup, sliding up and down. I'm like, once you lose two... It, you're you're done. I just don't feel like BYU has a shot at the New Year Six. Do you feel like BYU has a shot at the New Year Six still? I I agree with you. I don't know, Jeremy. Have you done the homework? How many two loss teams have made New Year Six perennially that aren't a Power Five? I would guess zero. I don't know that, but I would guess yeah. zero. Hey, I do want to point out though. I don't that aren't know group if of five auto. Some of the fans saw it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Sorry, but I was gonna say I don't know if you noticed this on on game day. And by the way, I don't know. I'm becoming more and more of a big noon kickoff guy. But anyway, on game day, <laughs> they showed the highest ranked uh, group of five teams and did not include BYU. So I thought that was a nice little nod to what everybody thinks of BYU's status, right? Sure. So, but you, you look at those, and it is true. They're they're one loss. Oftentimes, if they're two loss, they finish the regular season one loss. And I'm talking P, even P5s here. They finished the regular season one loss. They went to a conference championship game. And lost out because you know the the team they lost to went to the playoff or something like Virginia that. So did that. It, it it yeah, there you go. So it's an uphill climb, but it's we all need hope to keep us alive, right? I think that was a song lyric or something. So I, I'm still holding on to it, but uh, but really, it, and the story is the the story's repeated itself from last year. Is you can only play the schedule in front of you. And in in this in the case of postseason, you can only play in the bowl that you're invited to. So uh, BYU, I the one thing I'll say is that I have confidence in, in this team and its myriad of playmakers to put on a show no matter where they end up in the postseason. I'm hoping it's on a big stage on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, but if it ends up being December 18th in Shreveport, uh, it, it will still be a show for the fans to behold. Yes, so be it. And it may be our last look at Tyler Algier. Who knows? Uh, I'm of the opinion that he's probably going to bounce. It feels that way, at least. Um, if Tyler Algier leaves, does BYU need to get a Tyson Williams type from the transfer portal? Or do they put their chips on perhaps Lopini Katoa coming back in a Jackson McChesney-Hinkley-Ropati trio? Both. Can I say both? Yeah. I think um, uh, you can never have enough enough running back depth, especially with a coordinator and Aaron Roderick, who, who has proven that he can do so many, he can use 
talented players in so many different ways, screens, handing off zone runs, man runs, power runs, outside runs, right? So give that guy a full complement of, of running backs with varied skill sets and things can be really scary. Here's the one thing I'll say. Well, well I do think they have to go to the transfer portal. And obviously this year with the Nakua's and some of the other additions that they've made, this staff has proven that they're very capable of going out and getting, I mean, to your point, Tyson Williams, right? They're very capable of going out and getting guys who come in and can be immediate impact players. But I just point to Jaron Hall. and Nobody was clamoring for them to go out in the transfer portal for a quarterback, but there was questions about whether the guys that they had in the room last year would be able to, you know, fill the big shoes left behind by Zach Wilson. And I'll, I'll say that maybe it hasn't looked the same, but boy, the result has been the same, if not, and arguably more impressive from the quarterback position, what Jaron Hall's been able to do when a lot of people think, you know, thought coming in that he would be good, but not uh, to that caliber of Zach. And he's definitely challenging that and, and going play for play and, and production for production with him. So I wouldn't sell the existing guys short, but, uh, I'd I would still go out and do my best in the transfer portal simply because you can never have enough depth or never have enough weapons. If you can sign a Kingsley, you can sign anybody. It feels like right. Uh, and when you have a five star corner visiting, you know, last Saturday, anything is possible. It feels like with the momentum BYU's built up, and it's interesting. I, I've thought about this too, Riley. Last year's team versus this year's team. This is fun for us. The team doesn't care to think about it. Maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, but the fact that if Zach Wilson is on this team this year, I'm not sure BYU is much better than they are now. Maybe a game. I still think BYU loses once somewhere, but maybe they lose twice. I mean, Jaron Hall's performance has been incredible, and now BYU continues to build towards uh, the Big 12, and next year feel like there's this influx of talent, transfers coming in. The Nakua's sort of started this, uh, it feels like. And now BYU's rolling right now. Like, the mojo around the program is so good. They're going to be preseason top 25 next year, we'd think, if things continue to the end of the year. It's a good time to be a Coug, man. It most definitely is. And to your point, Jeremy, I agree. Like, how, how does this team win games? And they, win, they, they take care of the football. They don't commit d- s- dumb plays, self-defeating penalties. Uh, they win the turnover margin. And they play all four quarters, right? And... The, the great thing about that, you talk about this BYU program, that is a solid foundation of the program. So whether you have a Zach Hall or a Jaren, or sorry, a Zach Wilson or a Jaron Hall behind center, uh, you may see a little bit different in style in the way that it gets done, but the end result ends up being the same. I know many fans have pointed this out uh, is like none of those formals in the Boise State game that were so detrimental came from the quarterback position. So whether, you know, it was Zach handed it off or Jaron handed it off, and that's not an indictment on anybody who made those mistakes, but it is just to the point that the program's in a position to replace talent, to reload. And and here's the biggest thing that's got me excited. Um, yeah, preseason and the schedule that's for next year, but I, as happy as I have been about the Big 12 announcement, what I'm not what I have not been super excited for is what I have felt is an inevitability of the same thing that happened to Utah and TCU when they hopped a decade ago is you come in and it takes you three, four, five seasons to really kind of find your way. Um, I, I don't want to be too optimistic about this, but I feel like with the state of the program right now, BYU may experience some of that, but not to the same degree. I think they should be able to step into the Big 12 and compete for a division and be at the top of that conference and not have to spend three to four years, you know, building the recruiting base and figuring out how to play a P5 schedule um, before they before they are competing for division and playing in conference championship games. So that's the biggest thing that I'm excited about, about the state of the program 
um, is what happens when they do get into the big, big 12 to be able to hit the ground running. Agreed. I made that, uh, you know, the counter argument of, Hey, it took Utah was five and seven, two of the first three years um, to Spencer. And he said, well, isn't BYU playing tougher schedules than they did? That's exactly right. Uh, and to your point, BYU is way better prepared than they were to go into the big 12. BYU has been playing tougher schedules, obviously being independent, you can play more than three or four. No, no non power five is playing four power fives, but as an independent, BYU is able to do that. And then the other thing I want to bring up is in talking to Kalani Staki prepping for the broadcast last week on Friday, I, I said, uh, when you first started here to now, what kind of what kind of depth, how, how much depth do you need to go into the Big 12? And he said, we've got to be two or three deep. We really do. And if they do the line change thing on defense a lot, yeah, they got to do that. So I, I'm like you. I feel like BYU is better prepared to compete right away. That doesn't mean BYU is not going to have a season where they don't go to a bowl game one time because – hey, it's tough and it's five and seven and the ball doesn't bounce your way and you don't turn it over or you do turn it over more than you did in a couple games. But it's exciting because when you're getting enough receiver depth to sustain multiple hamstring injuries to the Nakua's and, you know, now Neil Pau's hurt and you're still okay and you can bring in a lineman like Kingsley Silmatia, right? Now yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, BYU can go in and be eight and five and sometimes be maybe 10 and three and compete. Uh, which is better than I thought they could. So that's super exciting. And you don't play Utah, and you can hang on that for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's, here's the only thing I'd add to that is, like, as optimistic as I am, as much as they hit the ground running, keep in mind, like, who would have ever thought Clemson would have had a, a trouble right? rebuilding and, and, and building up the depth necessary to maintain a high standard of excellence? And here they sit, you know, barely above 500. Uh, you know, as we're more than three quarters of the way through the season, you would have never thought, I mean, it literally was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, as far as getting their pick of recruits, unlimited resources, all those things. And even those teams, those programs have experienced ebbs and flows. So BYU will not be without its ebbs and flows, but it's just, I guess what I'm saying to your point is you can have a season where maybe you miss a bowl game, but still belong. And it's because of an unfortunate injury or things like what can be frustrating is when, you find yourself in like, and not to bash on a, on a future uh, Pac-12 friend or, or you know Pac-12 or sorry Big 12 member, but like, what's frustrating is when you got you get yourself in a position like Kansas where it's like, you guys like you're you're P5 in name only. The program is a joke, and you're not putting out the caliber. They make it up in basketball. Put out be what. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> which is another story. We're talking all about this football. I can't wait to watch you guys really <laughs> dig into the exciting, exciting future that it holds for Big 12 basketball. But anyway, you know what I'm saying is that uh, the results may vary from schedule to schedule. The biggest thing for me is is feeling like you belong. Looking out there, the guys getting on the bus, the play on the field, the, the you know the lining up across the across the ball from these blue blood programs and saying, BYU belongs. You may not win every game when you belong, but you're competitive and, and you can feel it. That's that to me is uh, I mean, I think we should all just be tickled pink that the programs, if they're not there now, they're right on the cusp of it and will, and should be there soon. The way this thing is trending. Amen. The way recruiting's going, the way the program's looking and feeling off the field as well, just big time, just big time, in addition to what we've seen this season. Riley, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the bye week. It's a bye week for the broadcasters, too. So uh, enjoy an open weekend, then we'll get after it next week. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know if I <laughs> if I find a local game to go attend in person or if I just spend 10 hours on the couch. But uh, just I'll in get the my stands, fix either way. Just talking to yourself. 
<laughs> Thanks, Riley. You enjoy it too, Jim. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Riley Nelson on BYU Sports Nation. He's always so well-informed, and I love it. I mean, he's just really fun to talk to. Yes, he is. Yeah. Coming back, the comeback story of Ellie Mann. Plus, suits versus polos. The battle continues for the BYU basketball coaching staff. Which side do you take? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. BYU women's volleyball is ranked fifth. Yep, fifth, 23-1. Take on Pepperdine tomorrow night. Pepperdine's 18-4. This is a great matchup. Pepperdine just outside the top 25. Tomorrow night, 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Penultimate home match before the NCAA tournament. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you can find us on social media. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Mark Pope says Richard Harward will be out for an undisclosed amount of time with a cardiovascular issue. Here's more from Mark. It's going to be a group effort. Richard Harward is all-time great in terms of the energy he brings and the intensity he brings every day to practice, every day the guys get to feed off of his energy. And so he's down right now. And so they have to do this internally and do it for him. And they did an unbelievable job with that tonight. And it's 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 a huge loss for us. It's way bigger than the stats he shows. What's your concern uh, level right now not having Richard Harvey? Put it on a scale of one to 10. I'd say like an eight. It's pretty high because of everything Mark Pope just said. Emotional leader and the energy he brings to the floor every single time he's with those guys. Yeah, it's definitely concerning. Um, Gavin Baxter's knee not being 100% back from the ACL tear after last year, that's also an issue because now you're asking Fusini Traore to really show up every game. The great suit versus polo debate continues and rages on amongst the men's basketball coaching staff. Two games in, we have one game of each. Which side do you take, Jerem? Well, I take the I want to wear a polo on our shows, but I'm fine with whatever they want to wear because I don't care. I feel weird when I'm in a polo and I'm interviewing a bunch of guys in suits. So last night I was like, I should probably be in a suit because everybody I'm interviewing, they're wearing suits. So I, I don't know. I just want continuity. All right. With the coaching staff? Yeah. Coming up, double down results are in. Plus, Deep Blue with Ellie Mon of BYU Women's Soccer. How her soccer days almost ended completely in January and the road back is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday night, BYU and San Diego State. Oh, what's up? The show. Not going to be here because it's in Provo. It's The Rock, baby. Uh, 8 Eastern, Cougar pregame live on the radio. 8.30 Eastern, Canada. Tip-off starts on BYU TV. The game on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Huge one. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Tournament time approaches for 13th-ranked and 4th-seeded BYU women's soccer, and they'll take the field with somewhat of a walking and running miracle. Enter sophomore midfielder Ellie Mann, who knew her athletic career was in major jeopardy early this year. This is Deep Blue featuring Ellie Mann, presented by Brady Industries' Simply Better. We were at a soccer um, camp once. Well, it was a tryouts for ODP. And afterwards, a couple of parents came over to me and the one dad says to me, we were watching Elliot at a break. And then Ellie noticed a girl that was all alone. 
Nick, you know, sitting by herself that hadn't come with anybody. And so Ellie walks over to her and grabs her, talks to her and grabs her bag and brings her over and introduces her to everybody. And, and you know, that's the kind of person Ellie is. Ellie's work rate, her personality, her, her drive, and her level of competition. She is a true competitor and loves to go out and compete. And that's something that we, we really look for a lot in, in uh, potential athletes. We had a great freshman year. We made it to the Elite Eight. It was awesome to be a part of that. And then COVID hit and we didn't really necessarily know if we were gonna have a season or not. And we were still preparing like we were gonna have a season. We actually started fall camp. We started training like we were. I mean, I was feeling the fittest I've ever felt, the strongest I ever, I've had felt. Scadlock trying to hold off Cameron Tucker. An attempt by Ellie Mon, and she is down and in some significant pain. I went down to the end line. Um, I took a touch past my defender, and I slid to keep the ball in bounds because I kind of took a long touch, and um, it, my ankle just rolled up underneath me. I'm like, oh, gosh, she's rolled her ankle, you know, and she stays down. And, and then she stays down for a long time, and I, you know, Ellie's a tough kid. She's She gets up and plays. I could see that she was hurt, but I really thought she was going to get up. Like, I just kept waiting and kept waiting because, you know, Ellie has gone down a lot, but she always gets up. I remember a tournament when she was probably 12 in Vegas. Um, I mean, her ankle was the size of a grapefruit, and we wrapped it up, and she played and had three goals that tournament. And, my ankle just rolled up underneath me, and immediately I knew that it was broken. I mean, I just, I, the way it felt and like how, this is gonna sound bad, but how it sounded, like I just knew that it was season ending. To see your child go through that, that was really hard. And then, um, but at the same time, I was like, you know what, you'll be back by the end of the season. Like, it's not the end of the world. And then Monday came. Not only had she broken her fibula, but she had torn all of the ligaments in her leg. And so they um, had told us that had this injury happened a few years earlier than that, um, it would be career ending for her because she would never have the stability in that, in that leg again. But they said that they were, would be able to go in and they tethered the tibia and the fibula together with wires and anchored them down. So with that, they, they said, you're looking at about six to nine months before you can touch a soccer ball. So I went home for four weeks. I really think I just needed that time to kind of refocus. I was devastated about the injury, obviously, but those four weeks at home really like helped me get back on my feet. The girl that, that played for Weber State that um, was in the collision when Ellie, so Ellie went down for a slide tackle and the girl, I think she kind of threw her off balance a little bit. It wasn't intentional at all. Um, about a week after Ellie was home, there's a knock on the door and she came. They had a good cry together. Um, of course, you know, she's a college athlete and she could see the pain that Ellie was in. Sometimes people don't realize how hard it is mentally uh, and physically on athletes who work and train so hard and then that is taken away from them. You know, that was a really tough injury, uh, tough for our team. Obviously tough for Ellie and her family, knowing it was going to be a long haul back. As soon as I could really get going on my rehab, 
it just like gave me a sense of hope that I really can play at a high level again, you know, because when, when you're trying to learn how to move your ankle again and really trying to like learn how to like roll up on your ankle and walk again, it's just like, you feel like, how am I ever gonna play at an elite level if I'm learning how to, you know, roll my ankle or do inversion and eversion, you know? It's just, it's something that kind of takes away from the reality of the healing. First game of the season comes and it's against Weber State again. There was such a pit in my stomach. Then all of a sudden I look over and she's coming out on the field and um, oh, I was a bundle of nerves. I think I was shaking like a leaf. I actually know the girl that, um, the defender that was on me when I broke my leg and she, I would, ran out on the field. She gave me a big hug and was just like, hey, I'm happy to see you back out here. And so it was just, an all-around great moment. So Weber State was exhibition, and then just having Ohio State come on Southfield, the atmosphere was amazing, a ton of fans there. Olivia back in through, a shot and a goal! Ellie Mon! Welcome back, Ellie Mon with the left foot crushes it. That is a feel-good goal for this BYU women's soccer team. And she is hugging her teammates. Oh, did that feel good for Ellie? I just put it away with my left foot and the, the one I broke and it just felt so good. My teammates were so excited for me and I was so excited. Ever since I had broken my leg, I, that's all I thought, thought about, you know, that time where I was gonna score a goal, having that taken away from you and then being back out there contributing, it was just, the most amazing feeling. Really exciting for her and for us to see you know, her go in and get a goal and, and the emotion and the excitement that came from that and all the hard work that she had put in. And, and I really believe that Ellie has a lot more goals and a lot more celebrations left in her career. She is a competitive, hardworking soccer player, but she is that person that puts her arm around the, the people that are, you know, downtrodden and, and lifts them up. She's always got a smile on her face, and, and, uh, and I love her. Deep Blue with Ellie Mon of BYU Women's Soccer. The Cougars, number 13 in the latest polls, number 4 in the uh, numbers that really matter, these national seedings, and they will take on New Mexico Saturday at Southfield. Yeah, baby. Coming up, which view will get the Elite Voice of the Day, plus some news with Ashley Hatch. And don't forget to rise and shout out to those newbies. We're grateful. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Station, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe rate, and review. Jeremy, we've had some Mark Pope. Should we get to a little bit more? Yeah. Let's do it. Double down, re rather, I'm going to call an audible. Let's do you it. know what? We've had enough, Mark. We've had enough. We've apparently we're, we're had done. enough, Mark. <laughs> okay. Let's get to our double down recap. Number one. You said something T. John Lucas would do. Uh, did it happen? A, put up a combined, spoiler alert, put up a combined uh, 22 points, rebounds, assists. Nope, had 11. So 5.3 rebounds, 3 assists. Wasn't his best statistical night, but uh, Spencer Johnson kind of carried that excess. 
Okay, I didn't I didn't spoil. I said did it happen? Oh, I didn't say it didn't. Happen. Two, Caleb Loner and Gideon George will combine for 13 plus rebounds. They did. They right. had 16. Yay! I got a point. Loner was a beast on the boards last night. Really good. Okay, number one, BYU will lead by 10 plus at halftime last night. They didn't. BYU led by seven at the half. Number two, BYU will shoot. 67% or better from the free throw line, coming off a 6 of 19 performance. They did. It helps that the uh, walk-ons aren't shooting the free throws. And that Alex Barcelo <laughs> is shooting primarily. Love those guys. 22 of 27, 81.5%. So after one game, no double down bonuses awarded, and we're tied at one point apiece for the season. Sweet, man. Guys are super fun. What is this, soccer? We're in the NCAA tournament. Now we go to penalty shootout. Let's go. Question of the day. What percentage do you give BYU at making a New Year's Six bowl game? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at 86 WI Coog on Twitter says about as much chance the 1984 team would ever reach number one in the nation. So I guess that is appropriate. I give it a 19.84% chance for a New Year's Six game. Probably high, but stranger things have I seen. True, true. It's a little easier when you have no losses to maybe do that. <laughs> yeah, being undefeated I, helps. It's different, right? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Sure, it fell the right way. Maybe it does fall the right way. That'd be amazing. Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about Ashley Hatch? She's been called up to the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, 22 player squads going to travel to Australia for a pair of friendlies in Sydney and Newcastle on November 26th and 30th. That's pretty cool. She does have, uh, I believe, what, a cap or two with the U.S. Played yeah. in Sandy in an exhibition. So, uh, yeah. When awesome. you score the most goals in your nation's designated soccer league. The domestic league. Baby. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Uh, I'm going to give it to all of the new signees. Whoever they are. Wherever they are. We are grateful. I, I, I am just 1 o'clock, One o'clock. On, on the gram. I'm going to be there. The James Empey, semifinalist for the Jason Witten Man of the Year Award. He leaves the booth early to go play again? Is that the... Games award neatly. <laughs> really is. <laughs> Our thanks to today's guest, Riley Nelson. Sorry, Dennis. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Casey Tiamalu. We'll see you tomorrow for BYU Sports Nation featuring a major reason for the eyeball emojis. Oh! Go Cougs. Oh!